The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. Monday, November 4th, our second show of the day. This is, I'm Will Brinson, I'm the host. Uh, we have our Sunday recap show that's in your podcast feed. Make sure and check that out. It's like an hour and 40 minutes on all the games from Sunday. We leave no stone unturned, no fun, no fact left unfunned or something. No dunk left undunked. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. If you love the show, leave a review. It's a huge help for us. We greatly appreciate it. Um, if you like the show and you're, if you're new, old, whatever it is, you haven't left a five-star review, drop one in there. We're trying to hit a certain number. We're getting closer, and we appreciate you guys helping us out. Now, though, our attention needs to be turned to Monday Night Football. And by the way, after the break, we'll talk to Jason Lockenfora, CBS Sports NFL Insider, about very uh, – Various coaching situations, quarterback situations, uh, what the hell is going on with the Browns. But for now, we need to take a look at the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Jets with my man, Jared Dubin. Dubs, what's up, buddy? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing great. You haven't had to stress uh, a Cowboys football for two weeks. How's it feel? Feels fine. Um, <laughs> you know, how did you guys do an hour and 40 minutes on yesterday's game? There was like one good game. Um. We, well, here's what happened. We did, um, did you do like a eulogy for the bears? And <laughs> no, you know, we did, uh, I think it ended up being like 45 minutes on the Patriots game, the Browns game and the Dolphins game somehow. And, uh, the Dolphins game was exciting and that's interesting. Like, you know, there's a lot of fallout from that potentially. I, I got to ask though, are, are we still getting tweets about people saying that the bears aren't going to regress this season? Are they still angry? You know, you know what? There's a, a, a suspicious lack of uh, Bears tweets out there from angry Bears fans. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Weird how that works. Um, to the matter at hand, though, Monday Night Football, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, ESPN, as it always is, Bug and Tess, mm-hmm. calling the game, Cowboys at Giants. You've got the preview up on the site. People should make sure and read it. Dubin's been uh, fairly spot on, although I don't know that we were entirely accurate uh, during during last week's uh, Thursday night show. That's okay. The Cardinals made a game of it. Um, what's the uh, most interesting thing about this game for you? Um, I mean, I guess it's basically just will the Cowboys do what they know will work against the Giants or will they do what they feel comfortable with and just mm-hmm. put the ball in Zeke's hands 
and uh, just run against a team whose run defense is quite good and will probably get better with Leonard Williams and whose pass defense is terrible. The, the, the Giants are a poor man's Eagles, right? Yeah, that makes sense. But, I mean, like the Eagles, the Cowboys beat the snot out of the Eagles on primetime, Sunday night football. We're all wondering, like, who, you know, which team's going to go into this the next week, uh, you know, with a, with, with a tough loss. Um, with the Cowboys going to their bye on a three, you know, four game losing streak, they did not 37 to 10. Um, and I, I mean, yeah, like if you want to beat the Giants, we've seen multiple teams do this, including just, the Cowboys in week one. Yeah. You just don't bother running. You pass the ball and you can run, you know, once you get a lead, but I mean, you just pass the ball and then make Danny Dimes try to come back on you. It was Eli Manning week one, of course. Um, do you think that they can carry that over and do you, are you concerned that with two weeks to tinker and tamper and get his grubby little fingers in there that Jason Garrett's going to have his hands on this playbook? Well, I mean, the answer to the latter question is yes. I'm always concerned about Jason Garrett getting his hands on the offense and deciding to be overly conservative with the decision making and the play calling and everything. That's been an ongoing concern for me since, um, carry the wand. It was like 2007, probably. Yeah, sure. Um, ever so since, ever since he infiltrated the organization as a rogue agent to take down Wade Phillips. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm always concerned about that. Um, if they just throw against the Giants, I'm not concerned at all about the Cowboys having success. I mean, you look at the Giants secondary, it's just been flat out like it's been a disaster. Um, Janoris Jenkins has been sort of up and down, shadowing number one receivers. He was not active week one against the Cowboys. He had an injury, so DeAndre Baker wound up uh, getting torched by Amari Cooper for a lot of the game, and uh, that has led to DeAndre Baker getting torched by pretty much everybody throughout his rookie season. Um, you know, it's 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 not a good situation for him. I think he's going to be a good player. The the pass rush just for the Giants just really never gets home basically ever. And teams have basically all day to throw on these Giants defensive backs. I mean, the Giants are 30th in pressure rate at football outsiders. It just puts way too much, um, you know, pun, pun not intended, but it puts way too much pressure on the coverage on the back end. And you look at Baker and you look at the Grant Haley who plays in the slot for them. I mean, those guys have given up 60 catches on 76 throws in their direction for 893 yards, six touchdowns, and no picks. I mean, both of these guys are really just getting lit up. And uh, I would imagine Baker is going to see a lot of Michael Gallup, who has beaten significantly better corners than DeAndre Baker so far this season. And until like two weeks ago, I think was averaging over 100 yards a game in four games. Um, if If the Cowboys are willing to throw, they should have a lot of success. Um, the offensive line is back healthy again, and when they're healthy, Dak essentially doesn't get touched. And when he doesn't get touched, I mean, he's he's just killing teams right now from clean pockets. He's got a 119 passer rating when he's not under pressure. I mean, it's it's easy money when you're throwing from that kind of a pocket, and it's easy money when you're throwing against the Giants. So that leads to one conclusion. Uh, we know that the Cowboys, like, they like to go away from this thing that works basically whenever possible. That's what sort of what spurred their three-game losing streak. Yeah. Uh, the Giants are giving up an average of 264 passing yards per game, and that includes 
a 121 passing yard effort against the Redskins uh, in a in a casual walk away 24 to three Giants win and 89 passing yards by the Arizona Cardinals who didn't need to pass because they were beating the crap out of the Giants the entire time and Chase Edmonds ran wild. Um, so uh, yeah, they got that going for them. Smart teams. I mean, the Lions, 316 passing yards. Patriots, 313 passing yards. Vikings, 279. Buccaneers, 355. Bills, 237. Cowboys, 405. Yeah, I mean, in the first game, it was ridiculous. Like, Dak was nearly perfect in that first game. It might have been the best game I've seen him play in his career. Like, not that it was all that difficult against a team that got basically no pressure and put up no resistance on the back end, but I mean, 25 of 32 for 405 and four touchdowns. I mean, Cooper and Gallup and Cobb were open basically the entire game. Got both Witten and Blake Jarwin in the end zone. Um, yeah, and, and I don't think that the Giants coverage unit has gotten that much better since then. Um, and I do think their run defense has gotten better. They just added Leonard Williams, who like the best thing he does is stuff the run. Yeah. Now they have him and Dalvin Tomlinson and Dexter Lawrence on the inside. The best thing this team does is probably stop the run. Dave Gettleman is assembling 14 run stuffers, and you won't be able to stop him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say Dexter Lawrence has been pretty good rushing the passer as well. It's just that, I mean, when you're going up against Travis Frederick and Zach Martin, it's a little bit different than when you're going up against anybody else. How important is this, is this game in New York? Because really fascinating schedule for the, um, for the Cowboys over the next six weeks. They're at the Giants. I mean, where you, if you don't like the Cowboys, if you don't like seeing the Cowboys, I got bad news for you. Yeah, I see the Cowboys a lot over the next six weeks. Here's maybe actually seven, maybe actually eight weeks because they're on prime time four times, I think, in the next yep. six weeks. Well, but right, so they they're at Monday Night Football tonight, Sunday Night Football next week at home against the Vikings, mm-hmm. um, one o'clock in Detroit on November seventeenth, uh, four twenty-five p.m. At the Patriots on Fox, that's guaranteed to be America's game of the week with mm-hmm. Trump and, 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 uh, and, and Joe Buck. Um, then they get the Bills at home on CBS on Thanksgiving. Then the next week, they're at the Bears on Thursday night football. Um, and then the following two weeks, they play the Rams at home and they're at the Eagles, uh, in the late slate on, on Fox. I mean, those are both going to be the, the games of the week. <laughs> like, like the, right. the, you're going to see a crap load of Cowboys. Like the only game that isn't going to be prominently featured on your television involving Dallas over the next eight weeks is that Lions game. Yeah. I mean, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's four primetime games and three probably late afternoon national games in yep. eight weeks. That's yep. what happens when, you know, you're America's team. I guess. Uh, well, how big is this game though? Because we mentioned the next, you know, mentioned that slate, but like three of the next four games, including this one, are on the road. Mm-hmm. Not like it's, you know, I mean, not like that's the end of the world. Like they can play the, you know, they can play in Detroit. Um, I don't think anybody expects them to go to New England and beat the Patriots, but given what we saw from New England on Sunday night, maybe the Cowboys can use the old Jason Garrett formula and run the ball against them. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more big, not necessarily because the upcoming games are on the road than because, you know, you want to maintain some semblance of, uh, of a lead over the Eagles who are now. Oh, they're five and four, actually. I thought they were four and four for some reason. I guess they haven't had their bye yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, you gotta maintain that division lead. It'd be a half game if they win. And if you lose, all of a sudden you're looking up at the Eagles in the top of the division. Yeah. And with, you know, the Vikings coming to town, licking their wounds off a loss, 
and Patriots looming in a couple of weeks with a look ahead game against the Giants. I mean, against the Lions. Um, what, uh, what can the Giants do to stop them? Just hope they run the ball. Yeah. I mean, hoping they run the ball is a good plan. Um, I mean, they gotta, they gotta find a way to get pressure. It's just, I think it's going to be difficult for them. They don't have a very good pass rush. Their best pass rushers probably come on the inside and the Cowboys, when their guys are healthy, don't really give up much pressure on the inside. I mean, the, the guy who's been beaten the most this season is Connor Williams, who gets a lot of help from Travis Frederick, uh, in the passing game. And, uh, it's just, it's, t- it's tough because even if you flush Dak out from that interior pass rush, I mean, he's so good at making plays on the run. And, and even this year on the run to the outside, he's been good where usually he would step up through the pocket. He's now gotten better at throwing outside of the pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's strange, you know, the, the way that, uh, that him and Carson Wentz are talked about because like Dak is the more mobile player, I think. But Wentz is the one who likes to get outside the pocket and throw from there, whereas Dak is usually an up-the-middle scrambler. And I think the the narrative, I guess you would call it about them, is probably the opposite. But I, I think Dak has even been pretty good um, flushing out to his right and his left this year and making throws that way. I mean, he's thrown a couple of picks that way. There was one against the Dolphins that was especially egregious where he said after the game, he was like, yeah, I just got greedy. Um, he basically had... Nobody opened down the right sideline and was like, screw it, I'm going to take a shot. And it went into a crowd of three defenders and uh, got picked. But I think other than that, he's been pretty good, even when getting on the outside, which is generally not what he likes to do when scrambling. Okay. Uh, what about with the uh, with the Giants have the football? What do you think about Daniel Jones? Six starts in. Is he good? Bad? Do we know enough? I don't think we know enough yet. I mean – the one thing that I think you can definitely say is he is a really good athlete and that gives you a leg up on other guys at the position. Like Eli Manning is not necessarily a, a fit for a quarterback in this era where you have to be able to make plays with your legs, not just running, but in terms of escaping from defenders and throwing on the run. That was never really his strength. He was a guy who was going to sit in the pocket, never really moved around all that much. Even, you know, when he was a young guy, uh, Daniel Jones is not like that. He can, you know, break free from the pocket. He can make plays on the run. He can make plays running the ball himself. Um, so I, I think that the talent is certainly there to be a playmaker. Um, his issue is decision-making and turnovers. I mean, he, I think, has fumbled like seven times or something like that already. He's got seven picks. Um, it's, uh, he can't put the ball in position to be taken away as many times as he has been. Can't take as many sacks as he has been. And, um, you know, after that first game against the Bucks, when he was just unbelievable under pressure, he was, um, taking this from pro football focus, he was 14 of 19 for 243 yards and a touchdown in that game against the Bucks. That's like a 143 passer rating. But in the five games since then, he's just 30 of 63 for 340 yards, two touchdowns, and four interceptions under pressure. That's uh, 48.4 passer rating on plays where he's pressured. Obviously, that's really, really bad. And in the five games since, he's been under pressure on 40% of his dropbacks, which, again, is really bad. You look at the Cowboys, 
their pass rush has been quite good this season. They've ranked really highly in ESPN's pass rush win rate statistic all season, as well as pressure rate at football outsiders. And I mean, they've got Robert Quinn not coming off a two game suspension and now healthy after having that rib injury a couple weeks ago. They've got Demarcus Lawrence now multiple months removed from his offseason shoulder surgery and they just added Michael Bennett. So it seems like they're going to be able to get a decent amount of pressure and it's going to be on Jones, who has not been very good at handling that to either remain calm or find a way to make some plays with his legs. Mm. Seems easy enough. Um, this is the first time he's going to have all his weapons there. Mm. Do you think that they're going to, can they utilize, I mean, it feels like, like if you're Pat Shermer, how do you attack this? Well, I think, uh, um, sorry, Sterling Shepard is still out. Oh, they put him back. You're right. They put him back in the concussion protocol. That's right. Yeah. But, so if you're, if you're, um, if you're Pat Shermer, you got Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, Darius Slayton, Golden Tate. You got decent weapons. What, how do you attack the Giants? I mean, is this a turn into a mud, a mud fight and try to, I, mean, I don't know if you can turn it into a shootout. And by the way, uh, home teams undefeated so far this week. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I kind of like Darius Slayton, by the way. That guy seems like a playmaker. Um, I think he's been pretty good. Um, the big thing is against the Cowboys, I think you want to try to attack Chidobe Awuzie, who's their number two corner on the outside. That's something a bunch of teams have tried to do this year, and he's just really not been very good at all. Uh, Byron Jones, since he went back to playing full-time after, I think, week two, he's been back playing really well again. Um, but Awuzie has not been very good in coverage. The issue with that is if you're attacking him, it's probably going to be with, you know, not Tate because he works out of the slot a lot of the time, not Slayton because he might see a lot of Byron Jones. It might be like Benny Fowler, I guess, or something like that at this point. Um, early in the season, especially Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderash, who the Cowboys obviously, you know, Pro Bowl linebackers last year were unbelievable. They had been pretty inconsistent in coverage against tight ends and running backs this season. And Jeff Heath, the safety, has been, you know, his usual liability uh, in coverage himself. So that leads you to think that, you know, Evan Ingram could get a bunch of catches. Saquon Barkley could get a bunch of catches. But the thing is, the Cowboys scheme is basically to play soft zones on the back end and allow those catches. They want you checking down to your tight end, checking down to your running back, checking down to your guy on the slot. And then they just come up and rally to the ball and make tackles. You got to have the patience to just keep taking those dink and dunk throws and dink and dunk your way down the field and, uh, and not try to force things because if you try to force things downfield, you might not have the openings and that means their pressure is going to hit home. Mm. Oh man. All right. Let's get to the game. What, uh, Props over under Daniel Jones, 245 and a half passing yards. Um, I think I'll go over there. I could see both teams, you know, moving the ball pretty well. I think the Cowboys could move the ball pretty easily against the Giants, which means they're going to have to turn the, that the Giants will have to turn to the air. And I, again, I think they'll give you those completions to essentially the two best playmakers on the team in Ingram and, and Saquon. And I think those guys could make a little bit happen after the catch. Like if he throws, 35, 40 times. Like, I think he pretty easily gets to that 240 yards. Okay. Uh, what about for Dak? 269 and a half yards. Yeah, I'll go over there too. I think he's hit that in almost every game this season, if I'm remembering correctly. And, uh, the way to beat the Giants is through the air. And he threw for 405 in, uh, 
in the first game against them. Uh, I think he should get there. This year are 405, 269, 246 against Miami. Didn't get there. Uh, 223 against New Orleans, 463 against the Packers, 278 against the Jets, and 239 against the Eagles. So, I mean, he's been very close mm-hmm. um, in games, I guess. I mean, you know, like a they blew out Philly. Yeah, blew out Philly, blew out Miami, didn't really throw very much. Um, Not by the Jets. New Orleans held them down. Yep. The Jets, that was a very strange game. He still managed to hit that over. Yeah. Um, and then Green Bay, they were down a bunch. I mean, not that they weren't having success throwing early in the game. He had Amari Cooper for two touchdowns, but Cooper dropped one that made it a pick and then fell down on the other one. Um, so they, what they throw up 463 in that game. That's a lot too. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that this, neither team's defense is all that good. I, I think both teams could move the ball tonight. And I, I would expect to, like, I mean, anybody thinking the Giants are just going to come out and be dead in the water? I mean, this is a, it's a home Monday night game. And they have a rookie quarterback who they need to show to the world can be good. And they have Saquon Barkley and they have some talent in, in the passing game. Like they're going to come out motivated to win this game against a division rival. It's not like this is just a freebie. You know, I mean, right? Like uh, I would think so. But I could also see, you know, not that Pat Shermer is the most aggressive coach in the world. Like I could see him saying, you know, we got to give the ball to Saquon 30 times so we could grind this game out. Um, yeah. If they do that, I think that's not the best idea in the world. You could find yourself in a hole pretty early. Yeah. And they look, they kept it with close with the Cowboys early and through the first half in, in week one. Uh, yeah. So, they just, uh, they gave up touchdowns on five straight drives and that was basically it. Uh, Saquon Barkley over under 75 and a half rushing yards. <sighs> Is there a total yards prop? I'd like that much better. Mm, I can try and find it for you. Um, while we're looking for it, or while I'm looking for it, uh, Zeke Elliott over under 89 and a half rushing yards. That's a lot of rushing yards. Yeah, that is a lot of rushing yards. Um, I mean, Saquon had like whatever he had, like the 75 or 80 yard run against the Cowboys in, uh, in the first game and he wound up going over or whatever it was, 60 yard run. He had 11 carries for 120 yards in that first game. If he breaks a big run like that, you get your over right there. Um, Zeke did, uh, I think he played his lowest snap rate of the season in week one against, uh, against the Giants. He only played 54% of snaps. He was obviously coming off the holdout, only had 13 carries for 53 yards. But, uh, basically in the games, other than the one where they were completely shut down by New Orleans and the game against Green Bay where they really didn't run at all, he's had 100 yards at least in every other game. So I think even if the Cowboys are, uh, are doing a lot of throwing, to win the game, it'll be, you know, a win to run kind of scenario. And I think he winds up getting over that 80 something yards. Okay. Um, well, I can't find, I found a, uh, Saquon versus Zeke, more total yards from scrimmage. It's an even money proposition. Who would you take? Hmm. I think I would take Saquon just because of the passing game yeah. involvement. Like the Zeke game has script, been game script where like he's down. How about over under 115 and a half rushing plus receiving for Saquon? That seems like a really good number. I, I, I might go over just because of the checkdowns. Yeah. Um, if Jones is willing to take them, they should be there for him. Yeah, yeah, they'll be there. Uh, Evan Ingram over under 46 and a half receiving yards. Over. Okay. Amari- Tight ends are good against the Cowboys, man. They give up those catches mm. in the short zones. Yeah. yeah and no Leighton Vander Esch in this game either, right? 
I don't think I'm not sure if he was officially ruled out. I know he had been limited or missing in practice. He had that neck injury. I think the a couple of weeks ago is that he's going to miss. I didn't start him in my dynasty IDP league because of a concern about his uh, injury. Likely out for Leighton Vander Esch. Um, yeah, limited. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like it would be really short-sighted to play him in this game. Yeah, he's officially listed as questionable. Same with Anthony Brown, the guy who's the slot corner. But uh, if if Anthony Brown misses the game, I mean, they have Jordan Lewis as the number four corner has been. I mean, he's been their best defensive back this season. That shouldn't be quite as big of a deal as if Van Der Esch has to miss the game. Although, you know, that said, um, Sean Lee is still there as essentially the third linebacker, and Joe Thomas has played pretty well when filling in for any of those guys this year too. Okay. Uh, Amari Cooper over under 82 and a half receiving yards. I mean, there's big numbers. Yeah. I think I'll go over there too. Um, okay. although actually in a, in a road game, he hasn't been, uh, I can't remember who keeps posting these stats, but Amari in whatever it is, I think 16 or 17 games now with the Cowboys, he's unbelievable at home at Jerry World and, uh, not quite as good on the road. I mean, you even look at that this year. His home games are, Six for 106 and a touchdown, six for 88 and two touchdowns, 11 for 226 and a touchdown, and then five for 106. And his road games are four for 44 and a touchdown, five for 48 and one for three when he left the game against the Jets after three plays. So. Right. Yeah. He's way better at home. Why is that's weird? Yeah. I'm not sure. And it's not like Dak is significantly better at home than on the road. It's just, um, you know, Cooper seems to be. Much better there. So Listen, well, they uh, my initial reaction was over, but I might actually go under and say, like, they get Michael Gallup more. Man, that is crazy, those splits. Mm-hmm. Although I guess when you factor in, like, Green Bay, he had the 226 when they were, like, storming back. Um, and then uh, – Yeah, but he probably should have had, like, 150-something yards on the first two drives. Like, yeah. Dak had him for essentially a 50-yard touchdown – and he just dropped the ball into Jair Alexander's hands. And then he beat Alexander on, I think, the second or third play of the next drive, but he tripped while running to the end zone, and it turned what should have been like a 70-yard touchdown into a 40-yard game. So he, he should have had an even bigger game in that game against Green Bay. bizarre split. I was trying to think if it was like – because like he played Josh Norman in week two, and I know Josh Norman isn't good, but he's a decent matchup for Amari in terms of size and all that. Mm-hmm. Um Marshawn Lattimore in week four at New Orleans, and then... Uh, he got hurt three plays into the game against the Jets. Oh, Amari did. That's Oh, that's right. All right, so there's sort of an explanation there, maybe. No, but this is going back to last year, too. Even if you look at the uh, the last year's games, he was much better in Dallas. Yeah, than, uh, I'd split and take the under, then. Um, yeah. what's, your, uh, what's your thought on a pick here? Cowboys. Oh, wait, not gonna tell you. Do, you know? do you know? I don't know, but I have uh, 30 to 20 Cowboys. Hmm. That's that's pretty good. Cowboys minus six and a half. Over under is forty eight and a half. So you're all so, over. Got the over. Cowboys in the over. I think mm-hmm. that'll be probably the popular play. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's two teams that have the capability of moving the ball. One team with, I mean, the best offense in the league by DVOA so far. Um, top three in the run and the pass against the defense that has been quite bad throughout the season. And then, you know, the, the Giants offense hasn't been all that bad. I think Jones has the ability to make plays and the Cowboys defense hasn't been very good this year. So I, I kind of like a bunch of points to be scored. 
understandably appreciate the cat. Yeah, look, I, I'm with you. I mean, I get, I get why you would like it. Yeah. Um, and it's not that cold here today either in New York. Mm, so it could be warm for the Cowboys. Okay, Cowboys like 50, thirty. So that's you know that's nice. Yeah, that is nice. Cowboys thirty. It's like fifty-three in North Carolina. Cowboys thirty, Giants twenty. Dubin likes the Cowboys. The over and uh, slam that Evan Ingram over prop bet while you're at it. All right, Dubs. We will uh, talk, talk to you Thursday, buddy. Sounds good, man. Being around sports media and a fan of oh my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes. It's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA and made Charles Barkley the first black president Enter Wondry's newest sports show, alternate routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors, Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, time to talk to the man, the myth, the legend, the one, the only, Jason Lockenfora. JLC, what's up, buddy? What's going on, my friend? Uh, not much. Week nine, almost in the books. This it is very bizarre to me how – it's not bizarre. I mean, I'm used to it now, but, like, the um, the way that sort of October and November just sort of cascade upon us yeah. is, 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 is always kind of shocking in the moment. Like, I understand it. It's a rhythm that I'm used to because I've been doing this for, for a long time. But it's like all of a sudden – it's November week nine. We're through week nine. And I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to suggest that we know what's going to happen during the NFL season, but I do think there are some things that were predictable about week nine, um, in their unpredictability. And I do think that we're starting to see a sense of how things might unfold with respect to certain classes within. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And no, some teams are telling us who they are. Like they're showing their true yeah. colors. Yeah. And there's teams that you can start to look at and say, well, they're a whole hell of a lot closer to the, the, the dregs, right? There are, like, like you can now say the Browns are a whole lot closer to the Jets, Dolphins, Bengals, you know, yeah. uh, I feel like I'm missing somebody in that Redskins. group. Redskins, you know what I mean? Then they are to, I won't even say like, the the Patriots class to that next class. If you want to say Ravens, Eagles, whatever, you know what I mean? Like they're so like I, what's crazy about Sunday and let's talk, let's talk about the Browns for a second too. And we'll get to the Ravens and we'll talk about some hot seats. But I mean, and I, I just think like I was, I mean, I was sort of writing up the Browns as the lead to my sorting the Sunday pile column. That'll be up shortly on the website. Um, Cleveland. So Cleveland, we looked at it and we're like, all right, listen, I mean, I said this a lot. I swear, I swear I did. You can go back and find it. It's all over the place. I said, look, the schedule is tough out of the gates. Yes. You have to win some games early. 
um, to stay in the hunt. And, you know, like, I guess the, the, the situation where this all derailed for the Browns was they couldn't win games early. They lost games because they were sloppy. Um, you know, coming out of the bye, we knew at Patriots, at Broncos. I mean, those are just two tough games because of where they're being played and who they're playing against. Um, and I just think that it's gone from the Browns have an easy schedule down the stretch to, oh, look, these other teams have the Browns on their schedule very quickly. Yes. You know, like, like now this was their Super Bowl. This had to be their Super Bowl. I mean, Mile High is tough, I guess, but they lost more games in September at Mile High this year than they had. Now, I know some of them were close or whatever, but still. Allen like, was starting. Dude, Brandon Allen starting. You know that all Vic Fangio wants to do is run the ball anyway, right? Yep. Like, and now it's Brandon Allen on top of that, and they don't trust their offensive line at all in pass protection. And you've got these trap kickers coming off the edge. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just looked at that and said, I picked it as a best bet because I was like, this is this is one of those games where a team comes out and just says, you know, bleep you to everybody else. And I don't know that they had to, like, blow them out, but they had to at least look like a professional football operation. Like, we're all going to pull on the same page, like, in the same direction for four quarters. We might not be able to do it again next week, but we're going to at least show you what we're capable of. And they came out and, and tried to give the game away before it started almost. I mean, it was just like the same old crap. And – the penalties, I mean, dude, Sean it started Pace. against Tennessee. Like, honestly, you go back to week one yeah. and go look at that box score, all the penalties and all the personal fouls, and then I think five guys got fined coming off that game week one. That's who they are. Yeah, dude. So uh, Sean pointed this out on, on the podcast on Sunday night. It's pretty incredible. The Broncos didn't go into the Browns into the red zone one time in that game. They didn't go to the red zone once. And they scored 24 points. <laughs> That's hard to do. Like, how do you not get in the red zone once and score 24 points? It was the bad tackling. Um, it's worth noting. Oh, that the Noah Fant play. I mean, what, I mean, that, that just, I mean. Incredible. It was just, it was sly. It was a, the Brown season in a microcosm. Um, okay. So not to dive into the game itself, but sort of maybe spin it forward a little bit. Um, they go out to on Monday and, um, they announce that they have, uh, they have released Jermaine Whitehead. Their linebacker, who was on that Noah Fant play, yeah. couldn't tackle him. He, I mean, I, I don't want to, I mean, you know, there's probably some mental health stuff going on there. To, but the guy goes on social media on Twitter and starts threatening to, like, beat up and cause bodily harm to fans and media members who were criticizing him. And he's, like, leaving the Browns address. I mean, one, do you think that that is emblematic of everything that's going on? And two, like, should the Browns be worried about what this guy is going to do now that they've released him? It's a very, I, I, I don't, I mean, they've, you know, NFL security exists for a reason. I, I would have to assume they're taking any threat seriously and acting accordingly. Um, I, it's just a bad, I mean, I, well, like, all right, you can, all right, can even that. to like fire him today. Like, I get it. There's consequences for everybody, but like, the, the, their issues go so far beyond. You know what I mean? A linebacker trying to tackle with his shoulder instead of wrapping somebody up. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, that's is that a symptom or a cause? Like, what what's really going on there? Like, I mean, the quarterback. Let's just start there. Okay. I mean, what's happened to his? I mean, like, he looks skittish. And, I mean, people were saying Sam Darnold seeing ghosts. Well, what's Baker Mayfield saying? 
Is he seeing Frankenstein? Is he seeing vampires? Like, what's going on there? I mean, <laughs> it's his feet are never set. It, it looks like he's hyper coming out of the huddle. Yet they don't play with any pace. You know what I mean? It's just like I, I don't know what. I, I can't. I can't figure them out. They can't figure themselves out. Um, I think they're torn between wanting to just play rugby, which is with the state of that quarterback, probably what you need to do. But then also, you don't go out and make your slot receiver, you know, pay your slot receiver $16 million and go out and trade for Odell Beckham, you know what I mean, to run the ball 40 times. Yeah. But if they just run the ball 40 times, like had they just run the ball 40 times and not turned it over three straight times to open up last week, I truly think they beat, like, I truly think they beat the Patriots in that game. They they were if they had just done what Baltimore did yeah. now they can't do it the way Baltimore does it but there was a template there for them to turn their season around then and they came out in that game and literally turned it off turned it over three straight times they touched the football and then they couple that with gift you know gifting Denver a lead Sunday when Cleveland can't play from behind mm-hmm. I I don't know like why why <laughs> you know who they can really use right now. Hugh, Hugh Jackson? No, no, not that far. Greg Williams? No, maybe. Uh, Duke Johnson. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. With the state of that offensive line, like, he would be a perfect guy to throw 10. Like, just do what Pittsburgh did with Jalen Samuels. Just do what you have to do to survive and win the game. You know, don't worry about that, oh, we took this kid first overall. Do what you have to do to win the game. And showcasing – you know, Baker Mayfield and then him trying to showcase Odell and Jarvis in the limited way he's even able to do that is not winning you games. Not when you have this many penalties, not when you're, they need to possess the ball and they can, they have the capability to do it, but that doesn't seem to be who they want to be. But that and screen passes is who they have to be given the offensive line, given the hole they've dug and given the way the quarterback just looks. Um, But it's much easier to fire a linebacker. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so what I mean, look, Baker is not going anywhere. Um, you know, I mean, he's you know, he's in his second yeah. year. I'm not. I mean, I'm still not. I'm not out on Baker. I, I get that it's. Look, I had a blast on Twitter uh, with the. I don't. You saw the. I'm sure you saw the the picture of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good stuff. It's incredible. Yeah, he looks like a. Yeah, I mean, anyway, uh, like that was all. Fun, that's all fun and games, and I'm sure that Baker will come back and uh, retweet something and like you know mock everybody for mocking him. Whatever. I mean, like it's Twitter. It's just we're joking around. Um, I'm not out on him as a football player. I think he still flashes at times. Like the 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 great outlier of the season is that. 40 to 25 ass kicking in, in Baltimore, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and you're right. They could have beaten the Patriots were it not for those three turnovers. Um, you know, they could have had the Browns. I mean, could have had the Seahawks. Like there's a, there's a lot of, they weren't the 43 13 game against the Titans. It, like, to me, it all comes down to sloppy coaching. And this is another week for Freddie Kitchens. Do you think that he's going to get a no, second year? I, look, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I, I think that remains to be seen. They gave Hugh Jackson a second year. They're, that's still, you know, Planet Haslam. So until they win there, I, I you know, I, I have to look sideways at what they do. Um, that I don't know. But he needs to be stripped of play calling duties. Like yeah. that, that needs, you know, and you and I talked about that even after week one. And I'm like, look, and that's, that, that, you know, at some point if their season is teetering, and, and I would say it came even before this game, but especially after this game, I don't know why, why, why is Todd Monk in there? You know what I mean? Like why, like what, if, if not now, then, you know what I mean? Then just let, then just, you know, 
they get the Freddie Kitchen show and let him do everything. Um, let him call the defense too. I mean, it's. Let me ask you this: Do you think it's possible that um, that they decide to take play calling duties away from Freddie Kitchens and let Todd Munkin call plays, and that this team, which last year on what's today? Oh man, look at that! November fourth, this team was two six and one. Yeah, and they are currently, uh, I believe, two, two and six. Two and six goes on a tear and wins a bunch of games down the stretch. And- I don't think they're finishing five and two, even with the way the schedule sets up. I, I, I don't know, but you have to. Freddie Kitchens has had half a season to unlock this offense in any capacity, and and save for periods of explosion out of the run game, it hasn't happened. Um, hasn't happened remotely consistently. And I, I think you have. I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't let somebody else take a crack here and see if they can get it turned around so that he can focus on other things. Like, I mean, all he did is say, uh, you know, when I was around there in the off season, I don't coach penalties. We don't practice penalties. Well, that's not getting through. So maybe you need to send that message a different way because you you lead the league in all things penalty related, and it's not even that close. Um, you hear the line that uh, they mentioned on the broadcast where it's like. Yes, he, he asked Parcells about it. He's like, "Yeah, I don't want to run them. You know, how, what can I do during the season?" He's like, "You're not winning. Who cares about their legs now?" <laughs> I mean, I, um, I just feel bad for their fans, man. I, yeah. I, I really do. Um, and I, I'm with you. I mean, I assessed it. I'm on the radio there every week, and I've been telling people, "Don't jump off the like. Just trust me. Like, even if they're two and five, the season starts in Denver. Like, that's you know what I mean. You've got a chance now to make some hay." But the problem is they've got too big of a hole. And you know what? Look at the Steelers' schedule. They got it just as easy. And you know what I mean? And they've already got a two-game lead on them. And then you start looking around the rest of the AFC. And, like, I thought they'd beat Denver. They'd get their footing back in it. And then the Buffalo game would be their Super Bowl. But they already, you know, but, but no, because they already lost the championship game. They already lost to Denver. I mean, this was their – if it wasn't their Super Bowl, it was their championship game. Well, I mean, it, and just the way they lost it. I mean, it, it was just – they were just – it was so brownish. I mean, it's just like – well, it just undermining it, it, themselves. They have, I mean, they have, um, you know, eight games remaining. Um, I, I mean, look, teams go on winning streak, crazy winning streaks all the time. It would be really weird if this team, even as talented as they are, uh, decided to suddenly turn it on. Do you think there's a chance that I, I actually think they're going to blow out the Bills this week? Like they're going to have one of those great, like weird, random performances? I thought that was going to be. I thought that was going to be yesterday. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they won't. I don't know. Do you? Uh, I will say this. Yeah, I think Buffalo has allowed uh, like 365 yards rushing the last two weeks. Yep, so like memo, memo to the Browns, like you know, just look at the film the last two weeks on Buffalo. Are look what the Eagles so? did to them, and then look what Washington did to them. It's one thing to get gashed by the Eagles in a week where they kind of figure out their run schemes, and they've got a multitude of weapons to attack you with, and they've got a really good offensive line when everybody comes to play. It's another to have the Washington team with a tattered you know line. And Adrian Peterson, who is not an effective player and hasn't been for a long time, he rolls up 100 on you in the first half with Dwayne Haskins making his first start. And Bill Callahan, who basically, if you look at his play sheets, I think they have nothing but runs on them. You know what I mean? Like, no one has ever telegraphed, like, all I want to do is run. The, like, you think Zimmer likes to run the football? You think Fangio likes to play, like, like run the football? Bill Callahan, hold my beer. <laughs> and yet, you know what I mean? So we all knew it was coming, right? I mean, they played Haskins as a last resort. He's going against a tough defense on the road. 
And Peterson has 100-plus yards in the first half on the ground? Yeah. So, hey, Bear, hey, 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 Browns. Like, you know. And they're getting Kareem Hunt back, right? They yep. get Kareem Hunt back next week. Like, I mean, the, the Redskins 15 getting, touches for Kareem Hunt, 25 touches for Nick Chubb. The Redskins were getting creamed and running the ball with, like, not even trying to pass. With impunity. Like, oh, yeah. dude, you come on. Callahan's going to – as soon as he gets – you know – like, you get in the locker room, right, and then you start asking around, who's got the stat sheet, who's got the stat sheet. Like, you know, he just, boom, laser-like focus on rushing totals. Like, that's all he cares about. The rest of it, who cares? Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about another. By the way, I think we could be headed, too, for um, a uh, a very, uh, very big Odell Beckham blow-up. It's, it's, it's on, should be on the radar with the cleat. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the, yeah, the sideline stuff. So we'll see how that goes. Um, another bad team, the New York Football Jets, went to Miami, lost the Adam Gase revenge game. They have sunk to a new low. They are behind the Dolphins in the standings. They. I are, like Miami here. Liked them on the money line. Thought they'd win outright. So that dude. that one did not surprise me at all. I mean, no. you but, look at the. They've been trending up. In their own weird way. I mean, I say that for a winless team. I mean, that shows you about the dregs of the NFL, doesn't it? But, but, like, but like, if, if you a... watch them, they had been playing more serviceable football for longer stretches of time than the Jets had lately. The the Dolphins have been trying, whereas the Jets have been not trying. And what are, what, where are we at on on Adam Gase in terms of his ability to retain his job? I, I, like, I've That'll heard. What's that? I think it'll be tough. If this is who they, if this, if this is, mm. look, if this, Sam Darnold keeps looking like this, then I don't, I mean, I think the decision, like, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be really tough to make the argument that, okay, well, one, one off season of Joe Douglas, you know what I mean? And we'll get it all, you know, turned around. Like, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's, I think it's going to be a real uphill battle. And he doesn't have anybody in his corner there really either. You know, like if you if you read any Jets coverage, like the you know what I mean, the people who cover that team are pretty much done with him, and the fans seem pretty much done with him. And within the building, I, I think there's some discord. So, so how how does that work from a power standpoint with Joe Douglas? Because, I mean, like this is. I mean, is Joe Douglas now. This, I mean, is, this is on the. This is on Johnson and Johnson. Like, let's let's. You know what I'm saying? This is at the very tippy top. I mean, they're the so building has like, been toxic through so many in car. Like you, like there's been like. No, no, no. I know, no, I know. You know what I mean? We're up to double digit names now. Like. No, I know that, but I'm just saying, going back to the, the 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 end of Rex Ryan and and Tannenbaum. Like it's. Right. It's been a circus there forever. Like it's it's on. It's on the owners. Joe Douglas has been there six months. Like, and, and even like the decision to, to fire somebody or whatever, like that's, that's got it. That's ownership's got to own this ownership. Own, own, own. You know what I mean? Like I, I they're going to have to come out in January or whatever. I'm wondering. And message something to their fan base. I'm wondering what, like, how does it work from a procedural standpoint? Because Adam Gase basically hand-selected Joe Douglas and brought him in to be his GM to work with him, right? Because Christopher Johnson sort of knew the job, doesn't really appear to know what he's doing. Now, does this work where at some point, like, like at this point, do you, do you think that Joe Douglas and Adam Gase are tied at the hip? Are they separated? And like, where is the blame being pointed here? Because it feels like Adam Gase is doing everything he can 
to deflect blame onto Mike McCagnan, either by putting his guys, you know, out for trade, cutting them, um, you know, complaining about their injuries, all of that. I mean, is Joe Douglas safe? I, I take it over Joe Douglas's head. Like, the, okay. Woody and Chris Johnson are going to have to – well, I don't even know. Woody, I guess, would, I don't know, would have to be over Skype or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Call Joe Douglas into their office at some point here and say, hey – um, what is your evaluation of our coaching staff? Mm. And we understand, you know, your relationship with Adam and, and this long-term vision of you guys being able to, you know, coexist and prosper and get us out of this malaise. But um, you may not have that. You may not have that luxury. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think you give him a case to, to stump for and make the case for his head coach. If he and wants then to. you you evaluate that along with everything else. But the problem is, like, they don't even talk to the right people. Like, a lot of times it's not just the owners. It's who the owners talk to and who's in the owner's ear and who swings sort of the the narrative one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And they don't even have the right people doing that. So it, there's a reason why they keep making decisions that set them back. And that's why, I mean, I it's it's, it's – Adam does some things that, that bring some of this on him without a doubt. But, like, this – I would also say he is a symptom, not a cause. I mean, the way he was hired, their whole coaching search, right? Like, it was just jet-like. And so it had a jet-like ending, and now it's having a jet-like season as a result of it. And then they're going to have to make more decisions. And if they keep making more jet decisions, then Joe Douglas isn't going to have a fighting chance, and neither will the next coach. But it's on ownership, man. You know, it, it, it is. It's completely, to me, on ownership. No, I, I agree with you. All right. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Could, uh, if, if, those, if either of those teams decide to move on from their head coach, is Mike McCarthy, formerly the Green Bay Packers, who, by the way, looks like a fairly attractive candidate right now, um, yeah. given how things have gone, have yep. out, is, uh, is, he in, is, he in, is he in play for either of these teams? Before we get there, I, I got a hot take column for you. Fire, fire. The Browns and Jets should trade head coaches now. Freddie Kitchens for Adam Gase. Ooh, who says no? Who? I mean, who uh, says no? There? Like, why not, right? Give it a shot. I kind of like that. Okay. <laughs> Remember, we <laughs> traded – uh, theater. Last year we traded – this isn't quite as scorching as trade Mike McCarthy and John Harbaugh. Yeah. But makes sense. I mean, would Adam Gase be better in – Adam Gase and Baker Mayfield would be like – Something fire like that like, would be hot. <laughs> it'd be like it'd be like it'd be like a like a if you like filled up a um if you like filled up uh like a uh, like a you know you, you use the thing you spray you know you spray your uh, weeds with you get the big gallon thing on the back you know, yeah with the with the you fill it up with gasoline and then the other person has a blowtorch yeah and you just shoot at each other it would it would go nuclear dude big. and Freddie Kitchens in New York come on man I mean I what, from what, a pure what, media perspective it would be gold. You know they sell fried chicken down there at that sushi restaurant. What? what? This is wild, man. Uh, yeah. uh, so where I, I hijacked it? Where were we? Where were Mike we going? McCarthy, Mike McCarthy in play? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, he he was a guy who John Dorsey could have gone to, and they obviously have ties, and he wasn't even really a part of that Browns thing. So that you know, I, I don't know um, if he would do a one eighty like that or not. Mm. But Mike McCarthy is certainly. You know, sitting pretty. I mean, I got a hold of sort of the, the names that are generating the most uh, 
sort of support from the NFL's football operations committee where, you know what I mean, they recommend to the owner certain, you know, candidates for head coach and candidates for GM. Yeah. And there's not a lot of it guys as, uh, you know, people in the industry have been talking about for a while. And not that everybody lives and dies with this list, but right now it's a lot of guys who've done it before. And I think that will be the trend. I mean, we might have three or four one and dones. You know what I mean? It's like I, I, that that resonates with owners. They don't want to give guys four year contracts and fire them. You know what I mean? Eleven months later, um, I think experience will resonate loudly around the league, mm. and that I think might that'll that that will bode well for Mike McCarthy. You could make a case for him in Cleveland. You can make a case for him in Atlanta. You can make a case for him with either New York football team. He would make a lot of sense in Atlanta. That sort of hadn't been floated. That kind of, that kind of makes sense for me in terms of like the low key personality. Uh, somebody that will, you know, is like a comforting blanket for, comforting blanket for Arthur Blank. Um, interesting. Uh, yeah. I don't know if he feels like the need to go bolder than that from a, from a branding and a marketing and a business part of it because I mean, Dan you know, he, he's got this football Taj Mahal and, Nobody cares. You know what I mean? They they care when his soccer team plays, not when his football team plays. So, yeah. you know that. I wonder how much that part of it will factor in. And hey, it's it's football. It's a business that always factors in. And in this case, maybe extreme. Um, but it's been a while since he even hired someone who had formerly been an NFL head coach, mm. right? I mean, Mike Smith. No, yeah. was it Petrino before that? Did he? Yeah, and then was Mora before that? Yeah, Petrino came. Petrino came from Louisville. Yeah, Mora before that. He no, hasn't he, had a guy with an NFL winning head coach pedigree for quite some time, and he's he's never hired a former head right. coach. Right. Yeah. So I, that that you know, does he sort of break break from the mold, or does he like some people have talked to to me who know him a little bit and said college guys, but I don't. I don't see Matt Ryan fitting in, a, and they're stuck with him. I don't see Matt Ryan being a fit, you know what I mean, in a Lincoln Riley offense. Well, remember, I mean, so he had Dan Reeves. No, he yeah, Dan Reeves was his first coach because he bought it in two thousand two. But he inherited Dan Reeves, right? Yeah, and then he fired Dan Reeves, and then Wade Phillips was the interim head coach. Then he hired Jim Mora from uh, uh, where was he? Where was Jim Mora? When he hired him, he was. Had he already been in? Moore wasn't in Seattle yet, was he? Had he already been? Oh, in Seattle? No, no, huh? Because he no. Where did where was he not? Was he in college? He might have been. He might have been a coordinator at that point. I don't know. Um, where was he? Was he? Are we sure he even had a head coaching job? He was the DC. He was the defensive coordinator with the 49ers. Okay, right. Hired by the Falcons. Um, and then when he got let go, he went, that's when he went to Seattle. Then he went to Seattle. Yeah. And he ended up at UCLA in that disaster. Yeah. Um, and then Bobby Petrino hired from Louisville, of course, yeah. near the Vic disaster. Um, then Mike Smith came in from Jacksonville, right? He was the DC, I believe. Yep. Uh, when, when had he had been in Baltimore with, with Billick before right, that. So, yeah. so this guy's got a type. DC. Yeah. He's yeah. Does, does he break mold? You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, look, that, this is, this is a quintessential billionaire football owner move where you hire 
uh, college guy, you know, Petrino's your one. Like, he's hired two straight defensive guys probably because Bobby Petrino burnt him so badly. You know, like two straight NFL defensive guys as well as Mora before that. Um, I always think about Mora as a, as a, as a college guy for some reason, but, yeah. uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it would make a lot of sense to go offense here. And I would not, I mean, this is, it's like the classic ex-girlfriend, uh, thing that, you know, that, that you do. So yeah. I, I yeah. I mean, I think Mike McCarthy's going to be in a pretty good spot. Um, one way or the other. Um, what are you hearing about? Let's talk about some quarterbacks. Um, what are you hearing about Cam Newton? Because I, I do, I don't know if we, did we talk about this. I, I've been saying I thought it would be a long time before he came back. And yeah. It, it just clearly like it's it, what it sounds like. What, what it seems like to me is that the pant that Cam, Cam needs foot surgery. But he doesn't want to have foot surgery because then he's done for the year and probably done forever with the Panthers. Does that sound about right? Uh, it could be. Yeah. I mean, that's – it's not even – I think it would also just be how long is the recovery and what does that do for his ability to, if he is traded or whatever, you know what I mean, get a big contract as part of the trade – yeah, I mean, the timing, there's a lot going on for him and for them. Um, I haven't been told that surgery, you know what I mean, is necessary at this point. Like, could could you do it? I mean, I get, right? I mean, even if they're like, hey, you might not need it, you could always elect for it and say, well, I just want to start my recovery now. But the timing is kind of awkward. Like I said, from that, I mean, how many weeks are we away from the combine, right? I mean, that's when this stuff would really be eating up. We're basically a couple months away, right? Yeah. We're no, November, not, December, well, three, yeah, a little, probably three, three months away. If Cam has surgery, if Cam has surgery, there's, I mean, there's really only one recourse and it's him being cut by the Panthers to save salary cap space. Or traded. I mean, it, depending on what somebody's willing to do, when he would be, you know, when could he clear a, a physical and all that stuff. But obviously right now it's just about winning football games and he's not close to, you know, I was told, Saturday night that he's not close to being cleared to practice fully, much less play. So, you know, we're now into November. He's weeks away from practicing. And then even then, when he starts to practice, given the way this thing is gone, you know what I mean? If he starts, if it's, if, if, if there's weight bearing issues, if there's push, you know, ability to push off issues, if he can't be himself, then you're back where you started and nobody knows, you know what I mean? Nobody knows how that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, look, do we know for a fact, I mean, nobody knows except Cam and Dr. Anderson, I guess, but I mean, this is, as you understand it, right? A list Frank injury. Yeah. I mean, like this is, Brady Quinn came on this podcast. I I just don't, I keep telling people this. I don't, I don't understand why people aren't listening, but like Brady said the biggest regret of his entire football career was not having the surgery when he suffered the injury because, you know, you read about it. I mean, like the, the longer you wait, the the better the chance is that you're going to have to deal with that injury for a longer period of time and over a longer stretch of your life. And look, I get, I, again, I get why Cam doesn't want to have surgery right now. And maybe, maybe, and look, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know, but, um, you know, the, it's, you're probably looking at like, I don't know, like, uh, 16 weeks of recovery. So, you know, in terms of like wearing a brace and a walking boot and all that, I mean, it, they, the longer they wait, the less likely it is that they can trade him this offseason, I think. 
Yeah, Unless, I mean, I don't even know. Or you know, who who knows? Does he just wait and then you trade him as is? And the, you know what I mean? You let the other team's doctors talk to him beforehand, yeah. and they come up with their own plan of attack. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah the trade's not can't be completely formalized until March, but you know what I mean? You, you agree to the trade in February and he and F he, you know what I mean? And his, his doctors and their doctors agree yeah. on, you know what I mean? Whatever, whatever procedure or, you know, whatever uh, treatments they think are in order. And that process starts out and yeah, he's technically still on the Panthers roster until, you know what I mean? Whatever the first day of the league year is, but he's kind of already rolling, you know what I mean? With, who knows? What Who knows? what percent chance? What percent chance do you give Cam Newton never playing another snap for the Panthers? I <laughs> I don't know, man. I have no idea. I, I need a know. very specific percent. All right, no, it's fine. Um, okay. What about uh, Andy Dalton? Is he toasting? Yeah, that's over. Okay. Cut trade or what? What do you think? Oh, I think that he's tra- it's a tradable contract. I mean, it's it's tradable contract. I mean, it's like one year, $16 million. Um, That's not a steep price at all. Brock Osweiler was making $18 million a year not that long ago. Um, you got guys like, Jam- you know, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota making 20-something on fifth-year options. I-, I-, I think he'll be in play in a couple of places. Tampa, to me, is most interesting. Um, you know, it's- if you look at how that team is built offensively, it, it kind of reminds me of those early Bengals teams he was on where if everything's around him, he can be, he can be highly functional. Um, and we'll, you know, BA at this point, you know, if, if the Mary, if, if the Winston thing is over and I, and look, he played his butt off yesterday, but I have a hard time seeing that ownership group re up with him for any kind of lucrative contract. And if you're Bruce Arians and you're not, you know what I mean? And you've been through all he's been through health wise and whatever, you know what I mean? Are you really going to, and they're going to win probably too many games to be way up there for a quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, is he going to try to break in a second round pick or a third round pick and start with him? Or would you go get a 32 year old Andy Dalton Mm. tack on a couple team friendly years if you want, you know what I mean? And see how that goes. You know, could he be a fit for the bears? Anything's better than what's going on there right now, you know? And that, that's a team that, I can't see them. They'll probably keep Trubisky around just because they're stubborn and they they made you know they made that hole, so they might as well poop in it. Um, <laughs> Is that what you do with a hole? You dig a hole. <laughs> I guess if you're out, in the, if you're out, like if you're stuck in the middle of nowhere, like camping or whatever, right? I think and you have no other choice. I guess that's what you do. I, so I see them. I won't even say doubling down, trading up for that cat, and you know, and that was panned by me and others in real time. Yeah. Was was doubling down. They'll probably quadruple down or whatever by keeping him around. But well, they're not going to just cut Trubisky. Like I think, right? I don't think so. They're still invested in it. But there's got to be real. There's got to be another guy with an NFL. Like it, like it's like what Mariota and Tannehill this year. You know what I mean? Like and and it could be Tannehill, who's played it, really well. It could be Mariota. It has it, it. I guess. I guess. Or like Andy Dalton, at least has been to the playoffs and like he's had some really productive years, and he's only thirty-two. I don't know. With that defense, that might be exactly what they're looking for. Um, but yeah, those are two teams that I know. I know Arians liked them a lot in college and coming out. Who Dalton? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, interesting. Um, okay. Uh, oh yeah, one more Jags Foles time. Not for me. I would stick with Minshew. 
I mean, that was ugly. That was bad. Um, that's the first time he, the kid to me looked overwhelmed and, and like, you know, a little bit out of his depth, but that happens to all young quarterbacks. And there was a lot on the line there. And, you know, I give props to Houston. They came to play. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I know how I look at the Jags is not the way they look at themselves. That's you know, they've been sort of stubborn to a fault, but I would be looking at it saying, I know we gave Nick Foles all this money, but Nick Foles is not a, like, when is Nick, when, when you need 16 weeks out of Nick Foles, when do you get it? Like, when is it, you know what I mean? That, that's not, not been his story. So you get, you get and, six weeks down the stretch. <laughs> right. Uh, and you've got one more year of Foles and then you're going to be walking away from him in all likelihood and looking at another quarterback. So you got a one-year window with Foles, and you got a potential 15-year window with this kid. And he went into that game yesterday, and with not a whole lot around him other than DJ Shark, who frankly hasn't started to look like much himself until this guy was the quarterback. And he was fourth in the league in, in touchdown-to-interception ratio. And he's on pace for 4,000 yards. And he had protected the football. For the, I mean, I know he's fumbled a little bit, but he's, he's not – thrown a lot of jump balls or done silly things with the ball. And he had that team still mattering in the middle of the season. I mean, people have bad games, but I would be taking the long view saying we might've really found something here and I'm going to prize his development above all else. And, you know, if we have to trade falls for pennies on the dollars, I mean, these are billionaires, billionaires. So be it. But you're right. They probably will go to falls. Um, because they gave him all this money and, and whatever. But, I mean, I just think it, you look at organizations. I mean, I, I remember when, when the Eagles paid Bradford all that money and then traded him anyway. Because, you know what, like, it's too good of an offer not to, and we'll go with Wentz because long-term, you know what I mean, when we do get to where we want to go, it's probably going to be with Wentz. Now it ended up being Wentz and Foles as the guy. And I contrast it to, to these guys and doubling down on Bortles. And then now, you know, if you go to a 30, whatever, 32 year old who, who's tended to break down, I mean, I, I get it, I guess, but I think Minshew's played well enough that, okay, one bad game against a, a team that, you know, outplayed us across the board. Let's see how he responds to that. Let's coach him up during the bye week. And again, I, I don't, I mean, he's played. He's been like the, the rookie of the month like six times. Yeah. I mean, but, the rookie of the week like six times. Yeah. I mean, look, if you think you found a goal. Compare pick, his numbers to the first overall pick. It it ain't even close. Right. I mean, if you think you found gold in a late-round rookie and you go back to Nick Foles because you want to try to save your job, then you're probably not good at your job in the first place. And what you should be doing is going to, to Shad Khan and saying, look, dude, I know everybody here is on the hot seat. I know things are going a little bit south. We think this kid's legit. Yeah, he's selling tickets to the mustaches. Let's yeah. try. Let's try and see what we can do down the stretch. But we need you to back us here. And and maybe he's like, it's tough. I mean, no, yeah, no, I'm not backing you. But I mean, like, I mean, the the value of a late round rookie quarterback who could potentially be a franchise quarterback cannot be overstated. And I I couldn't agree with you more. To go to Nick it's not Fox. a small sample. I mean, he played half the season. Yeah, and. He had one mediocre game, one bad game, and a bunch of games where he did some pretty impressive stuff 
and wasn't just along for the ride. He was helping your mediocre football team win football games. Yeah. I mean, he was, look, he was bad against Houston. There's no doubt about it. Yes, no, it was. He's also in London. I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff going on, whatever. And, and I think he, you know, he knew that one more good game and they probably, you know, they, they were probably going to come out and pronounce him their guy. And so you got the weight of all that. And I mean, but I'm just like, okay, well, you know, let's see, you know, Danny Dimes tonight, right? Like what that looks like. I know what Sam Darnold looked like yesterday. You know what I mean? I know what Baker Mayfield looked like all this year. You know, I I know Kyler Murray inside the red zone. I mean, Kyler Murray between the 20s is pretty impressive. But, you know, when it's money time, he's not getting that team in the end zone. This guy's thrown 13 touchdown passes to two interceptions through – Eight weeks on pace for 4,000 yards. He was 12th in the league in QB rating. Um, and four, the only guys with a better t- touchdown to interception ratio than him in the league were Rodgers, Mahomes, and Russell Wilson. Mm. But All go right. back to Nick Foles. Godspeed. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get you out of here. Good stuff, JLC, as always. Uh, you can follow Jason Lacanfora on Twitter at Jason Lacanfora. Watch him on the NFL Today every Sunday from noon to one. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ as well. And uh, talk to you next week, buddy. Sounds good, my friend. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.